I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Live of Birds pod and I'm back, I'm back with my regular contributors and I'm pleased to say I'm back with all of them even though we span the globe. So welcome back to Molly all the way from Beijing. Uh, good afternoon, I suppose I should say to you, Molly. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> no, you're going to be working that mute button, my girl. Uh, <laughs> and from the from the from the frozen north wastelands of Norway, Randy, how are you? In is it Svalbard? Have I got that right? <laughs> Almost. Hi, uh, I'm here from uh, the top of the world, uh, Svalbard today which is next to um, North Pole actually oh so, wow uh, <laughs> it's freezing cold <laughs> and it's pitch dark you can't see the light at all and uh, yesterday I was out doing dog sledging and it was very interesting and lovely and cold <laughs> fantastic so uh, when I when I say spanning the globe I, I mean I literally mean <laughs> we are spanning the globe and uh, and Amy Kate. Uh, I heard you there it's in in uh, sunny Southern California. So we really do have every single type of weather as well. How are you doing this late evening, early morning? Good morning. <laughs> it's good. I just got back from my little frozen tundra of the United States. I was in Michigan until a couple of days ago, so I'm back in San Diego. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, I went for Thanksgiving. Oh, very nice. And 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 I believe did did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. It was nice. Yeah, I was with my sister, so it was it was it was nice to be around family. And it's the first time I've flown since this whole COVID thing when I was you know visiting you guys in Liverpool. Yeah. And London, wow. so Liverpool and London and Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm uh, so I'm glad we're we're all together. So let us kick off um, and talk about uh, our last Champions League game uh, against Ajax, where we uh, happily qualified with a with a game to spare. Um, let me let me start with you, Molly. Um, I thought that was a pretty professional performance what what did you uh, so so firstly i'm assuming you managed to at least if you didn't see the game live because of the timing you saw highlights or something what what did you think of the game yeah i managed to see about 65 minutes and 
because we've got a very excellent TV box which gives us all of the channels. We've got about 350 channels, um, but there's no TV guide. So <laughs> I've got to watch the second half, and that's how long it took me to find the game. Um, so, so, yeah, so for about 60 minutes, I think I managed, uh, which was about five just after five in the morning maybe quarter past five and um, but yeah like you say just a, a really good professional performance I think especially um you know and, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the injuries and a lot about the game congestion um and we have had some not so good performances recently as well um but yeah we just got the job done against them didn't we we did, and um, uh, Randy, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, you know sort of praise handed out to some of some of the younger players from that game, um, you know, but particularly you know Curtis Jones in terms of scoring the winning goal, and um, I I apologise now to any of our Gaelic speaking listeners if I've got this wrong, but Quivin Kelleher in goal. Um, and also Nico Williams, who who had a bit of stick over the previous couple of games, obviously got taken off at half-time against Brighton. Um, so from your point of view, which, which one of those uh, performances pleased you most, if you had to pull one out, Randy? Oh, that's a diff- difficult question to answer, because I completely agree. Uh, Quivin, is that the way that we pronounce it? I think it? so. Yeah. We're going to go with Quivin. For the yeah. time being. Well, he was brilliant, wasn't he? I was so happy, actually, when I heard he was starting. I know a lot of people were saying, oh, no, this is going to be quite scary, you know. But I was so not wanting Adrian. So I was so happy it was with him. <laughs> and uh, when you could see the composure, I mean, the way he handles the ball, obviously, he's been a striker earlier, so you can see how he can manage it all. And I think he had something like... Uh, most uh, passes in our team in the game. So he can actually do the ball handling like Alison as well. I, I was so impressed by him. But of course, Neko Williams as well, because he's had some stick. And I've been quite, you know, poor guy. We just have to let him go and, and see what happens and let him play. But always a bit scared of him. But I thought he was brilliant as well. So I think those two, for me, was the most encouraging and, and surprisingly positive experience from that match. Okay. So, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, you know, and I deliberately asked you the question because I want, you know, I want you to see who you pull out. But, you know, we, we try not to, um, you know, not, not to overlook anybody. Um, Amy, Kate, in terms of Nico Williams particularly, you... Uh, just because of there are no fans currently in the stadium, um, although that will change on Sunday, you clearly could hear um, a lot of the, the the sort of talking and encouragement that uh, Jordan Henderson um, was giving was giving to Nico Williams amongst others, and it was actually something that that Klopp was asked about in in his press conference. So, um, how? You know, how are we are you seeing the the kind of development of of our younger players? Um, 
you know, do you think it's easier or, or more difficult the fact that, you know, we are in, you know, su- not silent exactly, but we're in empty stadiums. So actually they're making mistakes, but not necessarily getting the crowd reaction you might get, you know, live, but by the same token, then also not getting any, um, any of that sort of affirmation live either. But do do you think that's helping or hindering them? Um, you know, I'm kind of it. It's kind of both, really. I, I know that's not the answer. <laughs> you, you want one or the other, but I think um, it's very interesting to be able to hear. And I actually, you know, because now we've been hearing it for a while, I kind of like it because you can kind of hear more of what's going on. Um, you know, you can hear Jordan talking. You can. It actually, I think, really. Um, makes you kind of think, okay, a lot, there was, Jordan was getting a lot of stick before, you know, in previous seasons and, and why is he our captain? And there was a lot of negativity, but I think it kind of solidifies how much he does talk and how much he is, um, the center point and, and, you know, kind of keeps the team together and communicates. And I, I like that. Um, and I, I think that's kind of good. Um, and, you know, maybe, and I might be completely wrong, but these academy kids are used to that because they're, that's how their games are. So I don't think it hinders them. I think that they're probably used to it because they don't have crowds like the first team does. So it might just be, you know, kind of the normal for them to play. But I, I could be wrong. I mean, it's just kind of my thought on it, my, my take. No, I, I'm, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's your it's your opinion and 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 i think i think there is some validity to that in terms of you know the academy games or the under 23s or whatever you know there's there might be you know 50 100 maybe a, you know maybe a couple of you know may, maybe you get 500 or something if if it's like liverpool man u or something um, right. but but normally there's not there's not much of a of a crowd there so so maybe it is actually comfortable for them playing in playing in that environment because that is that is what they're used to. Um, one one of the things obviously that that came out of that game was um, the fact that we have now qualified with a game mm-hmm. to spare. So so our game next week against Midgulong. I think. Well, that's the closest <laughs> I can get to Randy's pronunciation. <laughs> that's so, fine. Um, so we're away in in Denmark, assuming that we can go. I don't. I don't know currently what the restrictions are in in Denmark and whether we have to go to a neutral ground. But assuming that we can go there, um, what sort what sort of team do you think that that Klopp is going to? pick now and, and Randy because because you're the best with the pronunciation on this one let's let's start with you are you are you expecting to see in effect like a uh, bearing in mind we've got to pick from that 25 man squad but are you expecting it to basically be uh you know academy lineup as it were yeah that's interesting because Mittyland actually had their best game last game didn't they they draw with uh, Atalanta yes so they're, they're looking better, uh, and I say, but I think we should play all the kids this time. <laughs> we should really go for it, and uh, because it doesn't really matter. And by the big 
get top of the group or second. I don't think that matters that much. And uh, also, we might be able to... We're already to... top. We, we can't be anything but top we now. We can't be anything but top. No. Yeah, then, at least, we should do all the kids that we want to have a match and... Maybe we should look into giving minutes to people coming back from injuries. Like Trent is obviously coming back uh, maybe for the weekend. Maybe Ox is ready for a couple of minutes. Kate, uh, I don't know. Uh, we should use this as our opportunity game. Play whoever we want to play and don't think about the opponents, I think. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you know, he's because clearly there's been, um, you know, a number of uh, sort of comments and press conferences by Klopp uh, recently, and we we will come on to them uh, regarding you know five subs and, and you know one thing and another and and scheduling. Um, so Molly, it would seem a bit of an own goal, wouldn't it, if he doesn't take the opportunity where this is in effect a dead dead rubber game to to you know take to rest some of the key players and, and you know, maximise the squad. Yeah, I think so. And to be honest, I think that you will. You know, he's bringing, he's bringing key players off kind of earlier than usual. In the past few games, we've seen, you know, players getting a bit aggy, a bit angry about that. Um, but he's already doing that in, in kind of what you could argue is more important games. I mean, realistically, this game doesn't matter. The top of the group, it doesn't, you know, it's only pride. And I don't think that Klopp, based on his comments, based on, as I say, how early he's making substitutions of key players uh, in certain games, that I think we are going to see the kids. I think absolutely. And I think fans will be annoyed if we don't. Um, and I think... You know, he's not, you know, Klopp is a man who puts his money where his mouth is and he's been complete and rightly so, complaining obviously about the fixture congestions and the timing of games. You know, in a nothing, in a game that isn't going to impact our Champions League at all, I, I think, you know, I think we are going to see the kids out there. And like Randy said, maybe give. Um, give some of the players coming back from injury, you know, a few minutes run out if they need it. But I, I would be very, very surprised if we saw, um, you know, a, a start in eleven, as it were, like a, a, the strongest start in eleven we've got at the minute. I'd be very, very shocked. Yeah, Amy, Amy, Kate, the the um, this is the opportunity to do uh, what what Brendan Rodgers shouldn't have done but did do when we played Real Madrid away um, you know all those all those seasons ago when he literally put out a, a reserve side and and none of us understood why um at the time but but if if there is a time now is the time it's it's an opportunity to potentially give some of his uh, biggest uh, players uh, literally a full week off between games, between playing Wolves and then um, playing Fulham. I think is our next game away after that. But we'll we'll come back to the to the fixture list. Um, <laughs> it, are there any particular players you would like to see in that in that squad, Amy Kate? 
for the for the next Champions League game. Well, if assuming that that you know some of the players coming back from injury are are available, I I, I do want to see that because they need to they need a to be um, match fit, not just fit. So that's kind of a given. Um, but um, I'm gonna butcher his name. Um, Quivine, I think is how we say it. Um, I mean, I'd like to see him back in goal. Um, you know, over Adrian. Um, I was, I don't know if I was surprised or not surprised. I, I just thought I was like, oh, okay. Uh, he just such a brilliant job. I mean, the saves. He, he, he bossed the game. He definitely was in control. He didn't seem, um, like he was because it was it was a big game, you know, and and it mattered. Not like this one. That it doesn't matter if we win or lose. I mean, obviously, like um, all I said, it's pride. But um, you know, I'd like to see him back out there, give Nico and and th- some more minutes. Curtis Jones was phenomenal. I mean, he played like like he belonged there, like he's a starting eleven. Um, so I I'd like to see more more of the kids um, come out. Um, I just think it's. A great opportunity and, and, and the right time, um, for that whole thing. And I'm just, I'm just excited because to see what we put out and, and, and see some of the young kids, because I was honestly really nervous and we're, we're dropping like flies and player after player is getting injured or COVID or whatever. And, you know, before that game, I was like, Oh God, well, there goes Champions League possibilities, you know, and, I was wrong. You know, I was so nervous and so sad and pleasantly surprised. You know, um, I I just thought, oh my gosh, all our players are injured, and you know, how are we gonna um, cope with this? Well, we coped quite well. So, good job to the young young squad. Yeah, it is. It is one of those things. We they they have you know, consistently proved this, you know, mentality, monsters, whatever you want to call it, and and yet we still keep doubting them. Um, you know, not not very often, but just occasionally we go, mm, I'm not sure. Can we can they do it in this game as well? And they still still keep finding a way. I mean, I know since the last time we had talked, we obviously played Atalanta and we lost and we didn't play very well and uh, you know I'm not I'm not dwelling on it now but it's you know we you could I think you could see in that game you know there was a flatness to our overall performance and whilst you know I wouldn't say we were amazing against Ajax we we were incredibly professional um and and particularly with that sort of make somewhat makeshift defense yes they created chances but I thought overall we handled them really well so so we we pretty much put the um the champions league to bed now until february um mm-hmm. and we'll we'll you know nearer nearer the time we'll we'll obviously start talking about it then when we know what the draw is and who, who we're playing um so now i think we are going to move on to the thorny subject of uh var and Obviously, our last league game was against Brighton. Uh, we uh, gave away two penalties. Um, 
We ended up drawing 1-1. We had two goals ruled out for offside. Um, Randy, discuss. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is like uh, starting... um... Uh, I don't know, in Norway we say you put on a fiver and I'll just go, you know. Uh, this is just getting ridiculous now. Uh, because, and it's not just us, even though we are top of the league of losing out to VAR, <laughs> if you can say so, uh, eight or nine against us or something like that. And uh, if it was only right decisions, if it was only clear and obvious which was the whole idea behind it all, I would be fine with it, you know, no matter what way or another is swung against us or for us. But now it's getting ridiculous and it's not just us. It's it's all sorts of games now. You can see it in any other game in England. And that has to be said. This is a British thing, I think, because it's not as uh, disturbing and it's not as um, time-wasting in other countries, even though they have to go and look at the screen. So... People are not celebrating goals anymore. And what is that? That's not our game. Of course, now you haven't got the fans, but when the fans comes back, how is that going to look? The whole stadium is quiet. The players are quiet. They're all looking at each other and the ref. And it takes ages. And do you actually get that time back in the end of the match? I mean, I've got so many things against VAR now. And, uh, and as I said, it's not because it's doing a, a thorough job. It's because it's actually making things wrong. It's just like it is technicalities over the actual rules. So because they spend two minutes looking at a line, they're sort of shifting about to see if they can get it right. Mm. <laughs> and then we actually forget. So what was the rule again? Where what, where on your body is the um, uh, official... Uh, I mean, you can't score with your hand... Half the time, the hands or the arms are the things that are uh, offside. So, uh, and then you forget about the others, like when going all the way back to Virgil, that was actually a red card, but they were so preoccupied with the line of the offside, so they forgot all about the rest. This is not functional to me anymore. So, some some really valid points. And, and sort of uh, interesting views on that, Molly. What what do you want to see happen? Is is it something that just needs to be improved, or or are you at a point where you actually think it's not fit for purpose anymore? I think when James Milner comes out with a relatively negative, bold opinion, you know something is not right. Like, he's the most diplomatic person. (laughs) So when he's like, this is ruining my career, like, my my job, yeah, listen. Um, I think that, you know, it's where, you know, it, it has the potential to work well. And I think as much as fucking annoying as the goal line technology is, we've only had one blip where it's not worked and it completely didn't work it just there was a there was a technical problem um <laughs> but you know but that's happened one time and you know we've had this for a few seasons that's just so clear you know like the you know the tennis hawkeye you can see and it's frustrating but the rule is the whole ball 
over the whole line. You can see it. It's clear. When they're drawing those friggin' lines for offside, like, and one of the comments was, oh, you know, they've got to bring in a third dimension line or something. Well, it's fucking not offside then, is it? Like, if you can't work out if it's offside or not, just go with no. Like, and I think exactly. the, the problem isn't necessarily... Well, I mean, the problem is VAR because it's absolutely wank when it comes to... Um, it's so unpredictable. I think when it comes to offside, I think you need to change the offside rule because the offside rule doesn't work with VAR at the moment. And I think, you know, and we've talked about this before, mm. and we talked, yeah. I, you know, I, I can't remember who I was talking about it, but the, with the, the Manny goal um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah. he was, he was, but he's in the position of an attacker because he's, lead, he can't, as an attacker, you know, as a defender, you might be a little bit more rigid because you want to stand tall. You maybe want to be able to get your head on the ball. You're waiting to see where other people are going. As an attacker, you're leaning your body in the direction mm. that you want to go, which is towards the goal. I'm so, that doesn't mean you're offside. You, you can't stand rigid because you would never, like, you, you reduce the, you know... You're going to massively mm. reduce your chances of scoring if you're standing in an unnatural position for movement. And so I think for, you know, specifically with offside, I think mm. that the rule is the problem because we haven't got the same, you know, pinpoint technology we have with goal line technology. We've got these mad lines. That nobody understands what they're doing. They never seem to make any sense. And one day it's, oh, a goal-scoring part of your body. And one day your armpit can be offside or your nose or something. And it it makes no sense. Like, it, it makes no sense to me. And so the I think, you know, they've talked about it before. You know, if you can see daylight between the players or... that There has to be something yeah. better than what oh, we see. Oh. And as I say, if you're bringing in the third-dimensional line, I think you just say, do you know what? They're pretty level. I think that I think he's on side. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's crazy to me. Uh, I mean, Amy, Amy Kate, the, the you know the the offside rule we had uh, for a long, long time was if you're level, you're on, right? If if yeah. you you know if you're not level, you're off. I you know going going back to how many years ago we we had that rule, I never understood why we changed it at that point and I, I believe that you know part of the mess we're in with VAR is because they've been tinkering with that rule for the for the last you know 10 years you know you there was a point where we talked about having you know clear like clear air and then it was sort of you know give give the attacking player the benefit of the doubt and then it was, um, you know, if it there was, was all various different, uh, you know, sort of evolutions of it. But I, I, you know, I'm with Molly on this. I think part part of the issue is actually the law on offside, right? I, I, I just think that they fundamentally lost the plot on that. 
and I know we've talked about this before, but but my frustration has probably risen since the last time we talked about it. I do not understand how or why we have implemented the way we have in England. It's it's just it's just nonsensical. Um, and I know we talked about the MLS stuff before and what have you. So I, you know I'm not necessarily focusing on that, but you know what what would you want to see amy you know how how do we make this better because i, I don't know that that the fa or anybody are going to scrap it although i've kind of gone of swung one way completely the other now and i i would personally scrap it but how what do we need to do to make it better if it's going to stay huh. well I, I think it's here to stay um first of all um i thought that it when when this first came out I thought that this was going to be a good thing. I thought this was going to, you know, help a lot. Don't feel that way at all now. I feel that it's making a mockery of the game. It's ruining the game. Um, it's the interpretation of the refs. Um, it, it was, it, in a way, I think people were trying to say, oh, this is so, so that the refs aren't corrupt. I think it's letting them be more corrupt, you know? I mean, okay, maybe I shouldn't use the word corrupt, but like, you know, just where they're coming with their, their, oh, this is, you know, the, the calls that they're making on VAR are ridiculous and that they're only using them for certain things and not others. And, and it's just clear and obvious where, where the line, the armpit, you know, the, the, not the armpit, like where it's not even the way they're doing this. You know, each ref is interpreting mm. it in different ways. Um, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe this year, um, they decided that the ref can kind of overrule has the final say, but that's really still not even helping because there's somebody in a studio in London that's looking at screens and, you know, overriding it before. And now, now it's different, but it's still not helping. I just, I, I think that they, they need to, to figure out something else. Um, and you're right. I think it is the way, what the rule is and how it works with VAR just doesn't make sense because I don't remember what game it was, but we had a goal taken away from us because we were off sides and then turn around the other team did the exact same thing. So we thought, Oh, for sure. They're not going to, they're just going to be overrided too. And it wasn't. And I was so angry. And to, to say, you know, this, the last game with the, we, we have two goals off sides the second goal to me wasn't offsides and then the penalty was a soft penalty in my opinion i mean it's it it, it felt like we were we were being punished like they just didn't want to see liverpool play i'm not saying that's, that was actually the case but i i was like oh here we go you know i'm just yeah i think with the whole thing i think so so for the for the penalties um, I've probably got less of, less of an issue that you know Nico the pe- penalty given by Nico Williams was was a clear penalty. The one with Andy Robertson, um, I you know I think I think it was I do think it was soft. By the same token, we got given a penalty uh, when Salah was kicked against west ham i think maybe i can't remember the team now earlier in the season which was very similar so if you're going to give that one then uh, you know you have to give the one against robertson um 
as irritating as it is, the the one the the issue I have, I think, you know, Mane was more offside than Salah. Let let me put it that way. Yeah. So so I go, okay, fine, I can live with that. The Salah one, I am just really struggling with. But let let me let me try another example, right? So and not us now. So uh, during the week, um, I. I, I, it wasn't planned, but I ended up seeing a bit of the uh, Man U uh, PS. Was it PSG? I think it was PSG. Anyway, whoever. And Fred headbutted one of the PSG players. Now he, you know, he went down like he'd been shot by a rifle, right? And <laughs> and Fred barely touched him. So you know, put aside the overreaction. But he moved his head and clearly moved his head against the other player. The referee was told in his ear, go and look at the screen. We think it's a possible red card offence. He goes and looks at the screen and comes back and gives Fred a yellow. Now, <laughs> I, it, not a single person in the commentary team or anybody I've heard of that understands why the referee <laughs> gave a yellow card when he headbutted somebody. So when you're talking about clear and obvious, and to my view... A headbutt is fairly clear and obvious and would be a red card event for violent conduct. And the referee decides he's not going to give a red card, having gone and viewed it on the screen. I, I, I'm I, sort of at a loss now because you would have thought that is one of the simplest decisions you could, you would ever have to make. So so yeah. I, I, I kind of come back to... You know, if James Milner is saying, you know, it is clear and obvious we need to have a conversation about VAR, you you know, to Molly's point, something's gone horribly wrong. You know, Jordan Henderson, again, doesn't doesn't voice controversial opinions. He's come out and said he thinks it's ruining ruining the game. He doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to continue playing with VAR. Um, De Bruyne has said the same, didn't he? Something's not right. Yeah. Sorry, Brandy. De Bruyne has said the same. He said, we don't know the rules anymore because they've been changed so many times. And because of the inconsistency, they yeah. clearly feel, so the rules are not the rules then. So what are they? And that is a bit interesting. And those three players we just mentioned now is not the most chatty ones. So it, it's something in it. Yeah, it's there's something, you know, <laughs> You'll like this, Brandy. It's slightly Shakespearean quote, but there, there is something rotten in the state of Denmark. It here. is, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's and it's got to be fixed. Because and it, and if it isn't fixed, then it needs to be scrapped because it is not fit for purpose. And you know, you know, drawing lines on a screen and trying to work out whether it's you know whether the top of the shoulder is now deemed as not the arm, and therefore that mean can that mean your offside or not offside is just is just ridiculous um so i you know i'm i would today if i was given a vote i'd vote to get rid of it um because what it hasn't done is removed the the controversy or the debates or whatever and and to be fair i don't know that it ever it was ever designed to do that completely but it shouldn't make the easy decisions difficult and that's what he's doing. And if it's doing that, then it's then it's not working. So seeing as we're on, uh, you know, 
in inverted commas, con, you know, controversy. Let's um, let's move on to Jürgen. So Jürgen has been very vocal over the last few weeks around scheduling, around kickoff times, around player welfare, around the use of five subs. Um, so let me let me uh, start with you this time, um, Amy Kate. Uh, He's he's also coming for quite you know he's coming for a bit of stick from you know Chris Wilder from Sheffield United particularly around the five subs uh, Gary Neville I think has been quoted as sort of saying you know he's looking for an advantage for Liverpool in terms of the the scheduling comments um, where where do you stand on this like you know I know we're all you know clopophiles here but um, <laughs> you know is there are there any are there any points of this that you think are are not as valid, or you you think there's something else? Um, you know, uh, he, there's a there's a broader agenda here. Um, because we do, you know, we we need to kind of, you know, try and look at it objectively and not just with our sort of LFC rose-coloured glasses on. Well, you know, one thing I did notice, um, I do agree that. You know, we ha- the, the fixtures kind of um, are very tight, um, but I think it's tight for everybody. And I, I, I think that they're still trying to play as if you know COVID is still happening. Um, but with that being said, the five sub thing. Um, no, I mean everybody in the Premier League is in the same boat. You know, we only have three subs in the Premier League, but when when we have the five subs, he hasn't necessarily used them all. There's a couple games, I can't remember which ones, but that he he didn't actually use all five subs. But at the same time, maybe he didn't need it for that, or he's saving it just in case somebody gets injured and you know I, I don't know. All I know is you know, he you joke around and say we're copper files. Whatever he's doing, he's, it, it's working. So I'm not going to question him. Um, but I do think that, you know, I think the agenda, the, 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 the TV rights have too much power. And it's about the TV, not what's best for the players and, and, and the teams. It's, it's about the money and the, and the TV rights. And so they're, they're kind of, um, they're just kind of, you know, thinking about that, not what's, going on with the teams and I could see maybe that's one of the things Klopp's frustrated with um I don't know I I'm 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 team Klopp <laughs> <laughs> oh we we're all team Klopp but oh but no Molly... of course of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Molly one one of the things actually that um Klopp said in his latest press conference, so ahead of the Wolves game, he talked about the fact that actually he deliberately hasn't used all of his substitutions because of player loading. And he sort of says, you know, I, I sometimes I haven't made some early changes because actually I don't know what might happen later in the game and players might go down injured and then and then it leaves me with, with no sort of choices whatsoever. Um, and I, I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting point because he was asked the question in, in the, in the press conference. Um, and also I thought it was interesting. He said, you know, 
Gary Gary Neville seems to think you know that I I think the same you know or I've got the same opinion. Well, I'm not I'm not you know I'm not Gary Neville, and I'm not like him. Which you know you can't you can't not love that comment anyway. But um, <laughs> but is you know is he kind of shooting himself in the foot by not you know not utilizing the subs that he's already got? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's a lot more simple than that. I think Klopp's major issue, I know he's talked about the five subs, but his other major issue is the scheduling, which comes from the broadcasters, and he's been very vocal about uh, like criticising the broadcasters, and you know, he said everybody else has to adapt for COVID apart from the broadcasters. And Gary uh, Lineker, Gary Neville, these guys that are criticising Klopp, they're being paid by the broadcasters. And to me, like, if you know what you're talking about when it comes to football, you know Klopp is right. I haven't spoken to anybody that doesn't think he is right in what he's saying. And I think it's that simple. I literally think it's that simple. Klopp's been re- very, very vocal about criticising scheduling and the broadcasters. And these guys have to stand by the guy who's playing them. And I, I, I think it's that simple. And so, I agree. I yeah. agree with Klopp, and and everybody I speak to about this issue agrees with Klopp because he's, you know, they're saying he's a sore loser, but he's saying the same thing after we won three 0 at Leicester. Oh, when we play Leicester, so it's not a sore loser, and he's making broad comments. He's not saying my team, my guys are getting injured, my guys are tired. This is he's saying the whole system isn't working. That's what he's saying. And I just think he's using his, his position in, in the right way by being critical because I think there's potentially people who, you know, maybe don't feel they're in a stronger, you know, as strong a position to be kind of saying the things that, that he's saying. Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. And, uh, and I think he is, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm team Klopp as well, right? So um, I, I do think he's got some really valid points and and randy to to that you know to that it's not like he hasn't said it to the face of sky and bt sport after he's been you know when he's been interviewed after games where he's just basically given it to them both barrels so you know so he, he has been very open in terms of um his views question to to you on this then is um one of the questions he was asked in his press conference um, ahead of Wolves was uh, the fact that there was a Premier League shareholders meeting and they did not discuss the five subs rule. And so, you know, discuss, vote, what, whatever they would have done. Um, and his view was, well, you know, it's yes, I was aware that, you know, I guess it wasn't on the agenda. Um, and he, he just sort of said, well, you know, I know people might think that I'm not. I am not saying this just because it's Liverpool. I'm saying this. This is about player welfare. So, you know, in in a week where there's been certainly in the UK, there's been an awful lot of discussion regarding um, like long-term effects of heading the ball, 
and you know the number of uh, sort of older players who've been diagnosed with dementia and various things and people who have you know parkinson's and various other neurological conditions um which is directly related to player welfare what what would you like to see coming out from the from the governing bodies because you know Klopp is one manager of one club um you know there is you know there is the premier league there is the fa um, you know, there is the what? What sort of leadership uh, should we be seeing from the governing bodies of the game around stuff like this? I think right now they need to make it clear that they're going to be flexible because we didn't anticipate COVID, we didn't anticipate how bad it was going to be and how it was going to affect everyday lives. We didn't anticipate we'd be waiting till now to only let 2,000 fans into a game. None of this was anticipated, and we can't predict, you know, even as far as January, I don't think. We can't predict what's going to happen. So I think the governing bodies, they need to show a flexibility, and they need to say, you know, you know, we, you know, we thought we'd be okay with three subs. Um, however, based on all, you know the injuries, based on um, what we're seeing, what we're hearing from clubs, we're going to discuss making it five. Now I realise there's issues with that because you know if you change something halfway through a season when there's already been games played, you know is that going to negatively impact some teams? You know if if certain uh, clubs have played other clubs. And they would have benefited having five subs. I understand it's complex, but all I think they need to show is that they are willing to kind of demonstrate flexibility. Because, as I say, who knows what's going to happen in the next even few weeks? You know, we've had another spike. It's come down in Liverpool. They're starting to let fans in. You know, it's going to be Christmas. People are going to be moving about. People are going to be travelling. For all, he shouldn't be. People are going to be visiting each other over the Christmas period. Therefore, like every other, you know, you know, look at schools, look at hospitals. Everybody else is flexible. Nobody knows what they're going to be doing in a few weeks. And I think the governing bodies need to acknowledge that and they need to show flexibility um, for player welfare because that is what it's about. It's not about anything else. Um, I think with all our injuries, I'm not completely convinced an extra two subs is an advantage. Um, mm. However, it's about player welfare and not just the Liverpool players, about all players. Um, and as I say, that like that is, I think, the best kind of leadership is one that is, you know is not making decisions on its own. It's listening to the people around them and making decisions based off of feedback they're getting from clubs. Now, if all the other clubs are going, no, we're fine, we only want three subs, then, OK, that's a, you know, th that's a different conversation. But I don't think that is the case. No, so... Can so I just say... Pick up, just to pick up on that point, Randy, and I'll put this question to you. So... On the on the sort of the managers uh, sort of views, so Klopp has said quite openly that um, when they had their last managers uh, get together, I think it was fifteen or sixteen of the twenty were in favour of having five subs, but they didn't they didn't take a vote or they weren't able to vote or so I don't quite know all the mm. ins and outs of it, um, and therefore 
you know, nothing changed. So, so picking up on that point from, from Molly to you, Randy. So where, do, where do we go next? And, and if, if it is, a, you know, particularly around the broadcasters and the, you know, the, the kickoff times and the picks that they have, you know, how do you, how do we persuade them? You know, because it almost feels like it's, they want that war of attrition. They sort of say, well, yeah, you know, Liverpool or, you know, Chelsea or whoever played at eight o'clock on Wednesday. So let's put them on at 12.30 on a Saturday. Let's see how good they are at recovering and yeah. using their squad. And maybe we can get a shock result when they play West Brom slash Fulham slash Brighton, whatever <laughs> it might be, because they've, they've only had, you know, two days rest. So how how do you persuade the broadcasters that that's actually not not the best idea they ever had yeah i, th- I think that is uh, i mean fa and the governing bodies in in all the footballing countries they've been traditionally very slow to react very slow to change very you know uh, yeah slow organizations that doesn't really reflect the world around them because the world around them in any other big business you know that you have to be agile these time these uh at this moment, you have to be flexible. That that's leadership these days. And uh, Klopp, being a good leader as he is, he sort of sees that, and he wants to be a leader. He's not afraid of being honest to to be in front of change, um, and he doesn't actually think of himself because what the the um, uh, television companies does, they want to create drama, so they want to put teams and managers up against each other that's their uh, goals you know because that makes good telling Uh, so that's why we have to look at leadership above because they have to look at football in the core of football and what is it and what's going to happen when half of the teams have got half of the players left and as Klopp just said lately I think he had he tries to uh, lift the conversation so he said so what's going to happen next summer a European Championship is going to be held with 20% of the players that should have been there because we actually ruined them <laughs> during this process. So if you if you um, heighten the conversation a bit and look at it from above, from like the top, and you see, is this going to gain us in the end? Is this going to be positive in the end if we continue like we do now? It's not. So we need the leadership from the FA, from the governing bodies, and they are, as they usually are, very slow. But I think maybe if they actually listen, they have to do something because we can't leave this to the television companies. They're going to want the drama. They're going to want to see the, what's left of Liverpool now then, you know, they're, they're down to the bones. How's this going to go? That, that's entertainment. But we don't want that. We don't, we want to look at football oh. as it, you know, and the, the, and the thing is, you know, there's there's there is the contrasting view that you know we sold our soul to the devil many years ago, yeah. with the with the TV deals that we signed up for, and the fact that you know that no they don't you know they don't consider the fans in this at all in terms of moving stuff to you know a twelve o'clock or a half past four or eight o'clock on a Monday night when you know there's no trains back <laughs> yeah. from from you know point A to point B. 
um, and all all of that sort of stuff. So you know, is this just you know the 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 whirlwind that we've reached? But you know that doesn't take into account the fact that there is you know there's been a global pandemic. Mm. Uh, to to Molly's earlier point. So okay, I you know I think you know I think we've kind of done done that to to death, and and we all accept we are <laughs> team Klopp, uh, but. But, it, but I don't. I don't think that that means that what he's saying isn't isn't sensible. Um, we've got a load of game. You know, as most teams do, we're sort of playing about every three days at the moment. Um, so let me let me just sort of run through the the fixture list uh, for uh, the remainder of December. Um, so, listeners, we are not going to talk about the Wolves game per se because the the timing of this pod means that it will come out around about the time or just after we played Wolves. So, we're not going to touch on that, but we are going to focus from sort of Fulham onwards. So, uh, Molly, let me let me start with you. I'll just run through the fixture list quickly up until the end of December. Uh, Fulham away. Uh, on, on Sunday the 13th, half past four, uh, at home to Tottenham the following Wednesday, eight o'clock, away to, so we're just having had the conversation about the fixture list, away to Crystal Palace at 12.30 after having played at 8pm on the Wednesday against Spurs. Um, the, uh, the next Sunday, uh, the 27th, um, we're at home to West Brom, half past four, um, and then on the 30th of December, so three days later, 8 p.m. kickoff at Newcastle away. Um, so, and and we've talked briefly about the Michelin, uh game, which is a dead rubber anyway. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch on that. Uh, points total from the end of that, what do you reckon? I think we've got, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) no, I was just talking with my mic muted. Um, You know, there's not a game there that scares me, even at the moment with the injuries. You know, we've got Keita potentially coming back. We've got, I don't want to jinx it, you know, Alexander-Arnold. It's an Alexander-Arnold and Keita back and forth training today, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, Yeah, they're potentially able to, you know, really key figures for us, especially with them. Especially in the defence, isn't it? Um, the you know such key figures. There's not a game there. We've got the absolute potential to win all of them. Um, and I know you always have the potential, but I'm relatively dare I say I'm relatively confident. As I say, obviously you'd argue that the Spurs game would be the most difficult, but I don't. I don't think. I think we could definitely like. I, I think yeah. we would win these games I think we are going to get a big points haul in December however it is utterly horrendous that we're playing this amount of games especially like in the season because normally you get the congestion you know mm-hmm. the week before Christmas the week of the week after those kind of three weeks are really congested but for, we've, we've been this congested already for weeks and then yeah. all the way through December and you know We've talked about it. I don't know. You, you have talked about it, but why are we flying players around the world to play friendlies? Like that—that's a lack of flexibility that we're talking about. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Whose fucking idea was that? 
what just we wouldn't office. have this congestion. Nobody would be in the position that they're in now. Yeah. If that uh, wasn't the case. Like, obviously, what the fuck is wrong with people? I know. I'm oh, sorry. sorry. I went a little I bit off the question there. Um, <laughs> Uh, Amy Kate, so so the biggie in in that in that list of fixtures that you know that jumps out of is obviously the game against Spurs. Do you think yeah. we're going to uh, we're going to get an attempt at a, another Mourinho masterclass? Um, and I use the term you know in speech marks um, <laughs> <laughs> when when he brings Spurs to Anfield. You know. Um... I'm going to be very confident here and think that we're going to get the win because we're at Anfield. And if things go the way they're going, we'll have fans in as well, which only makes it that much better. So, um, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not worried too much as long as, you know, people are staying healthy and players are coming back. Um, because it's shown so far that this has happened and we're still, you know, winning our games, but it doesn't matter how well we win the games as long as we win the games. You know, we, we it hasn't been pretty, but we're winning. So I just want to be positive and confident and 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 um, look at it that way because Molly's absolutely right. It's so congested and and it absolutely pisses me off to no end to see that players are going off, getting COVID, doing stupid. You know going to these stupid games that are friendlies that mean absolutely fuck all, yet they're still going. And I don't know why that's important. You know, okay, it was great that Scotland qualified and, you know, so pleased for Robbo. And that that was great. But there was a purpose behind it. Yeah, but it was at least a competitive game. Right. It it, It meant something because it was a qualifier. I understand yeah. that, 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 you know, we're not trying to stop the world, you know, completely. That game was an important game. Um, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm biased because yay for Robbo, but it, it was a qualifier that t- to try and keep, you know, some sort of normalcy and, and, and move forward because hopefully we'll be out of this COVID thing um, at some point and, and have a new normal because I don't think it'll ever be the same. That game mattered but some of the other games that that these players are traveling around the world and and wait it's a waste of time we actually had a match against wales um the u.s played um wales now what they did do was play all the the u.s players that are playing around europe so they did not bring plant um, players from the MLS over or anything like that. Um, so it was still within Europe, but it was a friendly. And what was the point of that? Except for the fact that, yeah, I got to see my team play. Um, but okay. That was not necessary at all. And there's players, all those players are in European leagues. So they're all being exposed for no reason. And it's not just, you know, the U S or Wales, it's all of them that, that were playing games that 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 didn't need to happen so um th- that needs to stop i mean it, it, it's just ridiculous but um yeah i i'm <laughs> i will get off the soapbox with that one 
<laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. If it makes you feel any better, the teams that are still in the um, EFL Cup or whatever we're calling it these days um, will also be playing their quarterfinals, semifinals, whatever that is, on the twenty second and twenty third of December. So if that makes you feel any better, there's there's people potentially playing more games than us in yeah. December. No, that's um, true. That's, it's not just that. And, and at least at least we're not, you know, having a day apart and having to put our reserve out um, because cause the rest of the team is 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 off to cutter like last year exactly not with they, no nobody's being asked to play this the same game on this two games on the same day so so randy if there is there another game that you uh, i mean obviously liverpool against tottenham would seem to be the standout is there another game in that lot in that lot that you you were sort of particularly looking forward to in terms of seeing in December? Well, it wouldn't surprise me if Crystal Palace Palace was going to do us for something on the twelve thirty <laughs> uh, <laughs> match. Uh, that would be uh, symptomatic and interesting. And uh, I mean, I learned from um, from the Villa game that anything can happen in the Premier League. So I'm not. As confident as Molly, I must say, but of course the Spurs is going to be the big one uh, with a Mourinho shit show at Anfield. I'm sure it's <laughs> going to plan for something absolutely stupid going on, uh, knowing him. Uh, yes. But uh, so I, I don't expect more than one point from that one, but I think that would be fine. But I'd love to see us above them, obviously. Um, but as I say, Crystal Palace is going to be the one to look out for because something is going to happen somewhere. Uh, and I must say, I would love for us to go above Spurs at the moment because my brother, no, my husband's brother is a Spurs fan and he's absolutely horrible these days to live with. So can we please <laughs> get them out of our way as soon as possible? Okay. All right. Well, that's, as good, that's a good a reason as any. <laughs> um, for us to be above Spurs, other than the, the fact that I despise Jose Mourinho, but yeah, let's let's go for that. Let's let's piss off uh, Randy's brother-in-law. Um, right, so we're we're sort of rapidly spiralling into any other business. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to talk to uh, or talk about was. Um, uh, sports personality of the year so Amy I don't know whether you are aware of this but there's like an annual uh, sort of uh, celeb fest thing that goes on um, on the BBC which is called sports personality of the year and basically it's a review of the year across all different sports and a sort of celebration of the best of uh, sort of British not just British, best the best sports people or teams, um, and then they do an award at the end, which is basically the sports personality of the year, and you have nominees and people vote for them. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because Jordan Henderson is one of the nominees this year for sports personality of the year, which I was somewhat taken aback at, I have to say. Um, and I guess he's put in there as the 
you know, the captain of the, you know, Premier League winning team, but also I think because of, you know, the initiative he pulled together at the start of the pandemic with the other sort of captains and the players together and the sort of charitable things. Um, so what what do we what do we think? Um, do, do we think he should be in the list? Do, do we want him to win? Do we care? Um, I, let me start with you, Amy Kate, because I didn't know whether you knew about Sports Personality of the Year anyway as a starting point. Well, I didn't know that detail. Um, it came across social media, and I was like, oh, what's this? You know, um, I'm not familiar with, with uh, the whole thing, no. But um, And thank you for <laughs> sharing sharing a little more detail because I was kind of wondering what that meant. Um, I did notice that um, Hamilton was, was up for, you know, and he's been phenomenal in Formula One. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that wins it, but he's the only other person that I know on there. Um, you know, there's other people in them. It's just, I, I, yeah. I don't know about them. Um, but I, I, I think the reasons that you mentioned are why he's there. Um, I'm glad to see him being there because it's it's showing that he 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 had he had big shoes to fill with you know coming in um, after Stevie and he was never going to be Stevie but he's and happily he's made it his own so um, I think I think a lot of people gave him stick for things not thinking he was good enough and why is he our captain and I'm not hearing that anymore which is good um, I mean he's a phenomenal person. Um, and if anything, he should just get it for his award on Wingman and Doug. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up, but uh, have we uh, have we all been have we all been watching Wingmen on uh, on Insta with yeah. uh, Robbo and Trent? I I, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so cute. It, they are, and 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 obviously Hendo was in the was in the latest episode that we see. So so Molly, should he be in that list? Do you know? Are you are you gonna? Well, I don't even know. You can vote for him, but assuming you can all the way from Beijing, <laughs> were you gonna vote for him, or would you vote for one of the other nominees? I mean, I think I would vote for him. I think he does deserve to be in there, especially you know, if you read the kind of blurb I suppose that they all have you know what he did do and it doesn't even mention kind of the charitable stuff he's done um you know I'm not saying he's going to win it but the fact that he's been recognized um because I think I understand the value of Jordan Henderson in the Liverpool team and again I know we've, we've talked about this before but he isn't the best player in the league. He's not even the best player in the Liverpool team. However, he's still being acknowledged because the role that he plays is so much more um, than what he can do with a football. I'm not saying he's not incredibly skillful and talented because obviously I think that he is. Um, but I just think it's so nice to see him recognised and I think if you captain um, yeah. a team and we were... You know, we ran away with that league, absolutely ran away with it, and still won it during a global pandemic after 30 years. I think absolutely um, he should be acknowledged, whether he wins it or not, I'm not sure. 
Um, if I can vote from China, I will. Um, but I think, you know, I think this year as well, being up against Lewis Hamilton, um, for again, not only, you know, for equaling the uh, world record, um, for the kind of racing that he's been doing, and again, the kind of charitable work and the uh, political work kind of Lewis's voice yeah. at the moment. I think it's kind of sod's law, isn't it? But you're kind of up against that this year. But I, I definitely think he deserves to be there. And it's it's good to see him there as well, as I say. It is. So, um, Randy, it, you know, I, I presume that you, well, let me not presume, uh, would you vote for Jordan if you if you had a vote? Well, of course I would vote for him because I'm not into the other sports or, or I don't really recognise. I, I do recognise that Hamilton is, has done something exceptional, so he's probably going to win. But because I'm biased and I, I'm, I don't uh, look at the cars uh, driving around, so I don't really follow that. But I do recognise that he's probably going to win it. But of course I would vote for Hendo, and and as you all said, it's just for him to be recognised as well. That is maybe the most important thing. Uh, mm. So um, I don't really think he he's going to be disappointed or anything. I think he's just happy he's been recognised, and that's a very good thing. And I and I I I agree. I mean, I do I do think it's it's a it is a great acknowledgement of a of the contribution that he's made and, and the broader role that he plays um you know it is it is a little bit of a you know like a popularity contest at the end of the day but you know i i think i you know it's lovely it's lovely to see him in the list so um just whilst we're on any other business so so a couple of last things for me randy uh, or amy kate i think it was you stole one of them which was i was going to say you know if you haven't been watching wingman please <laughs> watch wingman it makes me howl with laughter but the second thing which which put a massive smile on my face is uh the pictures of verge back in the gym. and i know that doesn't mean he's anywhere near coming back to the first team but you know, to see him back at Mel, not Melwood, at Kirby, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and working out and being back with the squad, I would imagine that's got to be a brilliant boost for the team as well to see him back around the place. So, so from that perspective, I was I was really delighted. Um, and then the last thing I was going to mention before I went round, which um, I feel it would be it 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 wouldn't be right not to mention it because it's such a big story. Is the um, the arrest on um, alleged uh, corruption bribery charges of the of Joe Anderson, who is the um, mayor of Liverpool? And clearly, you know, these are just allegations. Um, there's a police investigation going on. We don't know what the outcome of that would be. He's not alone. There's been a number of other people arrested alongside of him. But I suppose from, from my perspective, being um, you know a Liverpool fan but don't live in the city of Liverpool, um, I suppose I worry slightly because... You know, Liverpool has fought for years against a reputation of, you know, scallies and this, that and the other. That, you know, you've got allegations about, you know, one one of the most powerful politicians in the city, potentially, with his hand in the, you know, the, the public coffers. 
um, or you know, uh, allegedly, you know, sort of doing favourable contracts for for friends and this, that, and the other. So, um, Molly, let me let me start with you on this, only because obviously, you know, when you're not in China, you do live in the city. Yeah, Joe Anderson's quite a strange character. Um, he's he's not well liked in the city, um, and I think that's generally across the board. You know, if you're looking at it in football teams, I think people do have quite big issues with him on either side, um, and obviously, yeah, I think. I think people have been a bit suspect of him um, anyway for the last few years. Again, I know nothing, you know, he's been arrested but not charged, I think. Um, I think the police are looking for information at the moment. But he's a he's just a bit of a strange character because I think sometimes he kind of perpetuates this strong... Um, kind of standalone I suppose ideology of Liverpool which is probably what most people in Liverpool feel is the right thing to do however I think he often does it in a way um, that's maybe not always supported um, but to be honest I don't Again, I know we've got to be very, very careful because he nothing has been proven and I am obviously completely innocent yes. until being proven guilty. However, I don't think people are surprised. Okay. If that make, clears anything up. Yeah. No, 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 no. It it does. And you know, <laughs> and I am I am, you know, being really clear to say, you know, he has just been arrested. There are a number of other people who've been arrested. Um, you know, no charges have yet been brought. Clearly, it is very serious, the nature of the charges that are being alleged. And, you know, the sooner we get to the bottom of it, the, the better. Um, I think so. Just going back to what you were saying about, you know, will it ruin the reputation yes. of Liverpool? Um, it might do from like an outside perspective. However, I don't think many people from Liverpool feel Joe Anderson is representative of them and this is whether or not this is true or not this is whether or not he gets charged I don't think um, and this is Liverpool and Everton fans that I know again which mm. is bringing it back to football Don't they don't feel he's representative of them so I don't know yeah from the outside it might look bad but I don't know how like the, the people of Liverpool will necessarily feel kind of like there's a black mark against them or like they've been smudged because they don't yeah. associate themselves as scousers or as people from Liverpool with him anyway. Okay, interesting. Um right, so we are in we are in the any any other business and you know we'll we'll that that story will obviously run. Um I'm gonna uh stick stick with you for a moment, Molly. Have you got um, any other business, anything else you'd like to uh, bring to the group's attention? Um, it's, it's the first time we've we've managed to, you know, have a good chat with you since you since you've sort of settled now uh, somewhat in in Beijing. So so how you know how's the world out there? Are you all right? Everything is going really well? It's really cold. 
<laughs> like, I can't. It's so cold. <laughs> you definitely, it's much better than Kuwait, though. Um, we prefer the lifestyle here. And as I say, it's, um, you know, we had to obviously be in sports, but it's, it's very easy. The important thing is we've got a telly box. <laughs> yes, you know, that, that is that is the critical thing. You've you sorted it's that out. It's just the timing. But what my favourite thing is is even when Liverpool aren't on for the Champions League, CBS yeah. has a show that's like Sky Sports News, but it's not dinosaurs on it, <laughs> and they actually with weird opinions shouting at each other, and they actually show clips of the game so if someone you never see a presenter if someone scores you go to that game and watch the goal or if like oh. there's a decision made you go to that game and um, so that's good that's i know cool. that's really general um but yeah that's been <laughs> the most important thing i think i am getting to watch the football it's just the timing issue that's the problem <laughs> fantastic oh, are you getting the u.s version of that is that ours? Right, I, no, I get... Yeah, it's CBS. Yeah, that's us. On okay. that one. But I get all the channels. So we get Sky Sports. We get BN. We get the Chinese channel, CCTV, it's called. Um, and we get all ESPN and everything as well. I don't oh, wow. know how legal it is, but we have it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has it. Like, everybody has it. Don't say that loud. They're going to cut you off <laughs> right so uh amy kate over to you then any other business i would you know me and my being an advocate of women's football i wanted to bring up um and i actually even wrote about it on my blog the red way um stephanie frampart makes history again when she um she's the head ref for the juventus Dynamo Kiev game. Um, Wednesday yes, did. Yeah. So I did not because I was at work and everybody was in the office and and it was kind of hard to stream. I wasn't able to watch the game and um, I I kind of wanted to watch the game to see her, you know, and how she she did. And I haven't had a chance to to see the results of that yet, but um, was really happy to see progress with with the integration of of women re- women's refs. So um, and she's she's top of her game. She's the same same ref that did. The Super League or the Super Cup with us with Liverpool Chelsea when we ended up winning in, in penalties in the end and got our first uh, trophy of the season last season. Um, and she's done a bunch of other um, matches. She did a, a Europa League match this season. Um, so it, it's just good to see some more women in, in the field. Um, there's a there's an English. She's she's French. There's an English. Uh, Raft as well that's doing it. There's, you're seeing more of that, and so I'm I'm pleased to see that that happening. So I just wanted, you know, a little shout out there to uh, Stephanie for um, getting that that appointment, and let's hope to see more of that. Oh, that's fun. That's fantastic. Um, just more broadly, I know you don't follow the NFL, but there's also history being made in the NFL with. Uh, the female assistant coaches and also an interim um, head coach for one of the teams. Um, I think because the, the, the head coach or whoever it was, was 
um, diagnosed with COVID. So so she was on the sideline as the linebackers coach. And one thing oh. other, I wish I could remember the team now. I'm, I want to say it's the Titans or the Broncos, but I may have that completely wrong. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to have to Google that because yeah, once I'm actually was, interested. <laughs> yeah, it was actually in the last in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so so she and she's got you know she's got a great CV. She sort of worked with like in women's American football and college and one thing and another. So yeah, so we you know slowly but surely you begin you're beginning to see that. Well, um, it's a step Randy. forward anyway. Yeah, steps forward, small steps but steps forward. Randy, <laughs> any other business for you? Yeah, I can't wait to see Jordan meeting some fans because he's been talking about it since he signed for us and he's scoring goals for fun. So to see him run over to somebody in the stands and go, yeah, you know, that would be so good. I can't wait for seeing that. So fans in the stadium, Jordan meeting them, that, that is one picture. And then it's another I have to pick up on because we talked about it last time. Is Tiago a hologram? And we sort of we talked about it last time. Now I'm actually starting to believe it. So I, I must say, maybe it was just something that happened to cheer us up uh, months ago. And uh, I don't believe it until I see him now on the pitch, and I can't wait. I do think uh, he. I, I do believe he is real. It's do not you? like Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. I do believe he okay. is real. Um, to be fair, I think Jurgen came out and said um, that in comparison to the uh, injury to Virgil van Dijk, you know, everybody was saying, oh, you know, yes, he's injured, but, you know, it's not bad. He said, yeah. and, and in comparison, he wasn't bad. He said, but actually, it was it was worse than we thought it was, but because we were so focused on Virgil, yeah. you know, in, in comparison, we just went, oh, okay, okay, great. But if you, I, and I and I wouldn't recommend it, by the way, but if you look at the ta- the tackle again on yeah. him, on his leg actually bends, his knee bends the wrong way. You know, like it bends in, you know how... It's you, horrible you, to look at. It's I'll horrible. It. It's and, awful. And, and frankly, you know, he's lucky he didn't break his leg. Yeah. So, you know, Klopp said it's a few more weeks. Um, I, you know, if he doesn't come back till February, he doesn't come back till February. No. You know, it's not like we're running out of games for him to play in. But, no, that's true. Uh, yes. You're, if he you're, comes you're back right. for Champions League, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I, that, would, <laughs> that would be what I would be aiming for for him i dare say he wants to get back sooner but i think let's let's unleash back in the knockout stages of the champions league yeah that, that'd be so nice that would be fantastic but no randy i can reassure you he is real <laughs> Not good, good. And, he, and he will be back i promise you uh right so i think with with that um we're gonna we're gonna draw it to a close today so Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me. Amy Kate, I know it's ridiculous time in the morning for you. Um, Molly, you're probably going to go off and start thinking about your evening meal. Uh, Randy, <laughs> you're probably going to go and make snow angels with some huskies or something. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so enjoy whatever you're doing on this fine December 
Wednesday night, evening, morning. Um, and <laughs> and we will get, you're going back to bed. Yeah, good, good, short, good call. Um, but thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you all again very soon. Bye bye. Life goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So fairy, cross the mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Podcast Network.